0: Ready to keep you company wherever you are. Carte Blanche, the podcast, brings you immersive, hard hitting stories anytime, anywhere, every week. It's another installment of the whole week wrap with Daily Maverick and Carte Blanche. Here's what's coming your way today a new COVID strain makes headlines but no need to stock up on wine and cigarettes just yet. Then will government hand over secretive documents relating to COVID vaccine procurement deals? Wednesday is election day for Zimbabwe, and things are off to a really bad start. Later, coalition government has a dismal track record in SA, but could the moonshot pact make a success of
1: it? Anything is possible, but what we don't want is the turbulence and the chaos that we've seen in the metros. Um, that, is, that is the challenge, and I think there is a little bit of a maturity developing.
0: And there's a lot of good news, from heroic ministers to employment figures and a rising star. Let's get into it. Welcome to another episode of the Whole Week Wrap with Daily Maverick and Carte Blanche. As always, I'm your host, Lizanne Janssen von Rensburg. And with us today is Daily Maverick managing editor Janet Hurd. Janet, it's always lovely having you back on the show. How are you doing?
1: Hi, Lizanne. It's great to be here this morning.
0: Lovely. So I think let's get the one story out of the way that I think is giving a lot of us anxiety, and that is the EG5 or Eris COVID strain. The first African case was recorded in Hauteng this past week and I'm sure many people are freaking out a little so what are the experts saying should we be stocking up on wine and cigarettes again? So many South Africans will have that flashback to that alert
1: of Mm. a a new COVID variant strain of interest (laughs) that really does scare us because because of what what the whole world has been through so yeah it, it did come as a bit of a bolt out of the blue because we've been I suppose maybe complacent thinking that, you know, COVID is a thing of the past and we've emerged from it. But of course, with these kind of pandemics, there will always be variants and a a shift in their pattern. So yeah, it was a bit of a shock to hear about the variant, but they have stressed that it's very low risk and it's low, you know, it's not anything to go and be alarmed about. And I think we've learned a lot through the years of COVID in terms of management of these situations now. The first thing I did, I always, I went and looked back on the government website and I'm starting to scroll around and, you know, you get back up to speed to realize that we need to be always on alert for this type of news break and i noticed that you know south africa's done almost 40 million vaccines altogether mm-hmm. and they're still running that count so the program is still in place for vaccines and boosters and you know getting all, everything that is needed but I'm, it does make me wonder just how active these sites are and the availability of services i do think that is a question that we do need to look at uh, how many people are going to get tested i mean what actually action- is the reality on the ground. I think that is a very interesting um, angle. And what does the public do? What is the advice to them now?
0: To date, there have been no reported cases where symptoms were worse than the Omicron variant that's currently the main strain across the globe. So as you've said, the World Health Organization has listed it as a variant of interest, but it has a low public health risk at this point. I think it's very important now how government firstly responds and relays messages to to the public in order not to instill panic, and also how the media covers this as well, because, you know, blaring headlines about this new strain and sowing panic won't help anyone.
1: Absolutely. I think that is going to be, you know, and I think there is a, a, a maturity, perhaps, of, of the story as it has evolved. But I do think that, you know, the main take home for me is the need to never be complacent and to just be alert.
0: So keeping with the COVID theme, an interesting judgment came through last week when the Victoria High Court ruled that the National Department of Health has to hand over documents relating to its negotiations and procurement of COVID vaccines. And earlier, the Health Justice Initiative, which brought the case, stated that, quote, our government traded secrecy for scarce supplies at behest of very powerful vaccine manufacturers and intermediaries who made huge profits on sales. Basically saying that this whole secrecy around how these vaccines were procured, how the agreement was made about how much should be paid per unit, serves no one except the big companies. Could you perhaps explain to us why the publication of these procurement agreements is so vital?
1: this was a very interesting case. It's a vital um, transparency issue. The government has 10 days to actually release all the documents uh, relating to these very secretive deals that were signed with Big Pharma. Obviously, it was a crisis and an emergency, and they had to do all sorts of things to actually Actually, try and save lives. And I think at the time there was a lot of awareness of the incredible emergency that the government was in. But the public interest always needs to be uppermost. And especially when it comes to government funding. There were estimates that have been recorded of nineteen point three billion that would be spent on acquiring COVID-19 vaccines. That is a lot of money.
0: Yeah.
1: And we need to know. So I think it's a big victory that these big farmers now they have to open the books. I mean, it's a it's a difficult argument to buy the secrecy. Why why yeah. secrecy for that and not for other things? Because we meant to have a transparent democratic system. So it never really made sense that they could I mean I know that there's their there, there patents and all that you know there's ways of releasing information without giving away everything mm-hmm. and the fact that there was a complete secrecy about the costs now is being unbundled they've got 10 days from the, the ruling to release the deals that were signed with Pfizer, Johnson & Johnson, various other Serum Institute of India and of course with the mechanism COVAX. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's going to be fascinating I, they could obviously appeal and not release this was a this was through a PIA process access process but I mean I think they would be foolish to but they probably will so I'm not I don't know if we will have
0: the, the mm. deals at hand in 10 days hopefully we will absolutely I think in the next coming days we'll all be watching very closely to see what the department does my gut feel tells me that they're going to appeal it because that's just what government loves to do yes unfortunately these things get stuck in the courts these manufacturers made huge profits
1: off the back of the public but away from public scrutiny and I think that is the overwhelming issue
0: here. Zimbabweans are headed to the polls this week, but if the run-up to the elections is anything to go by, it will be far from free and fair. With activists and major media houses booted out of the country last week, those tasked with overseeing the election are voicing their concerns. So on to our next story. Um, And this week on the 23rd of August, Zimbabweans head to the polls as they vote for councillors, members of parliament and the country president. And with a total of 11 presidential candidates, the focus will primarily be on two hopefuls, the incumbent ZANU-PF's Emerson Mnangagwa and then the Citizens Coalition for Change's Nelson Kamisa. But the elections are already off to a bad start, let's be honest. I mean, on Thursday, activists, and media were barred from entering the country, and then added to that allegations of intimidation, a pretty violent election campaign by Zanu PF. Honestly, I don't anticipate a free and fair election at all. Lizanne, this is actually one of the big, really big stories facing our neighbour. We're so connected in
1: so many ways. So this is a really, really big story that has been sort of building up over the months, countdown to August 23. And, and we've seen the trend of, of, of a crackdown, of a silencing, of, of of trying to to reduce the impact of the opposition and obviously with the media and with activists, you know, it really did come to a head now with sort of a very brazen deportation of activists who'd come to observe the elections with Chris Maraleng, the director of Good Governance Africa. And then we personally at Daily Maverick got a word that our application from our photo editor, Felix lange was rejected. We were still waiting for a re- accreditation, confirmation or otherwise for one of our reports who was due to go, but time is running out. And then the other journalists from other foreign media houses also being told that they're basically rejected, no reason given. There's no appeal. You can't do anything. It's the Voice of America, ARD of Germany. But this is very worrying. How can you report on an election if you can't get access? How can you be an observer if you actually can't get in? Yes. How can you um, inf- you know, ensure that there's democracy? There's going to be a strong need for South African government to speak out and call for free and fair and independent elections. I haven't heard a word so far and just so important for South Africa and the region and, and the, the world really. So much has been pinned on Zimbabwe as a, as an independent country. There was so much hope and mm. so much goodwill and so much good intent in the early years of liberation. Um, and it really is really disheartening and, and so sad to see a country which has such potential as Zimbabwe to really be struggling like it is. And, and, and it's the people People at, in Zimbabwe who are obviously we need to care about most. Very worrying how
0: the elections will play out on Wednesday. Yeah, I don't, I don't see it going very well or reflecting the people's will. Yeah, Lizan, just one thing, because of the lack of free space
1: for really being able to contest the elections fairly, there has been a call for opposition parties to boycott the elections. But Samisa's party, the CCC, is adamant that, you know, they, they're still going for it, even though the odds are against them. And I do think we must take our hats off to that party and the, the people there who are, despite all, determined to go into election day knowing that the odds are against them because of it's not a fair playing field, but they're going ahead. This is, this is a really big week.
0: Last week, a group of political parties gathered at Emperor's Palace in Johannesburg for a two-day conference to discuss plans to unseat the ANC. Initially called the Moonshot Pact, the group consisting of seven parties, hopes to use its powers combined to send the current ruling party packing. But if existing coalition governments are anything to go by, the moonshot pact has a long and hard road ahead. Onto some local political news, as the Moonshot Pact, which has now officially been renamed the Multi-Party Charter, came into full effect last week, um, consisting of the Democratic Alliance, Action SA, Inkata Freedom Party, Freedom Front Plus, United Independent Movement, Spectrum National Party and the Independent South African National Civic Organisations, It's essentially a coalition which aims to strengthen all these parties' positions come the 2020. 24 elections. Would you say this is a clear sign that a national coalition government is more likely than ever before? Design,
1: I think the, the coalitions per se, I mean, there's a lot of different initiatives going on with regard to a grand coalition, smaller coalitions, various um, scenarios are playing out and there's a lot of open negotiations going on and a lot going on behind the scenes. It must be very intense for any political mm. party right now in South Africa. So yes, I do think that coalitions are definitely going to be the key focus of the elections next year. The main aim, obviously, is to try and come up with a coalition that will, will break the 50% barrier. And to, according to this Moonshot Pact, which has now been renamed the Multi-Party Charter. although I think suddenly that name, Moonshot Pact, which everyone ridiculed at the beginning, it's kind of taken a bit of a hold. But obviously, mm. it's a very serious issue. Um, I think they did make progress. The fact that they actually you know, signed a, some kind of a deal is quite significant because they came from you know, very divergent parties. What's really shocked me, though, it was was a big sort of social media topic, is the photo of the seven party leaders all being males, which I thought was quite shocking. That's not okay. So so those are the dynamics that play out with coalitions. What does it mean? And and I see that they did put in their pact that cabinet must reflect diversity of the country, that they need to have lifestyle audits of all members in the executive. Interestingly, the leader of the largest party in the bloc will be the leader of government business. In this scenario at the moment, with the DA being the biggest of the smaller parties in the, you know, of all the parties. It would be John Sternhausen as that person. So that was an interesting development, a compromise perhaps to not insisting on being the president. But the leader of government business is obviously a very key. It's the deputy president's position. And there's also obviously a lot of other talk around a grand coalition of even with the ANC and DA, although that seems very unlikely. But the scenarios are unlikely. And then we've already seen a lot of very unlikely partnerships, mm. bedfellows. So anything is possible. But what we don't want is the turbulence and the chaos that we've seen in the metros. Um, that is that is the challenge. And I think there is a little bit of a maturity developing with the parties realising that actually the way that the coalitions have been running, um, these loose coalitions in, in the councils and the metros is not really sustainable and is not really not good for service delivery or
0: for the public. It is going to be a very interesting election and coalitions are centre stage. To explain for our, our listeners, you know, in simple terms, the Moonshot Pact hopes to maintain a much higher stake at the polls, but without having to actively convert voters from other parties. So do you see South Africans buying into this coalition concept? There will have to be a lot of hard work to convince people to shift their
1: vote. And I think that's the challenge of these smaller parties, if that's what they want to do is break the ANC's majority. It's all about the numbers in the end of the day. It's going to be a very tight, nail-biter election for sure.
0: Yeah, I think we're in for a a wild ride of next year's elections. The latest employment figures are in and they brought a glimmer of hope. And right now we need all the hope we can get. So let's get into our many green shoots for this week. First up, the latest employment stats were released by Stats SA last week, and it's looking promising. I mean, not great, but promising, Uh, showing a slight decrease in the second quarter with the number of employed South Africans almost back to pre-COVID levels. So it's moving in the right direction, and I think that's something we need to take as a win. Absolutely, Lazan. I think unemployment is such a, it is probably the biggest
1: issue that is holding back South Africa's development um, because it's obviously linked to poverty and, and everything in terms of growth and development of this country. South Africa has got one of the worst unemployment rates in the world. For now, we, we should celebrate that there has been, despite
0: in incredibly difficult circumstances, there has been this very, very slight uptick. Six of the 10 industries highlighted in the latest employment stats showed increases in employment. I mean, and and I saw construction alone had a healthy 8.6% increase. It might sound like small numbers, but if you just take the construction industry's growth, that's about 104,000 new jobs out there. Every little bit is helping. I'm really hoping we can address the youth unemployment rate because that is where the, the main concern is at the moment.
1: When you look at it in terms of jobs created, it does sound positive, doesn't it?
0: On a recent flight from East London to Johannesburg, a passenger suffered a serious health emergency as a result of dangerously low blood sugar levels. What happened next is worth celebrating, as Home Affairs Minister Aaron Motswaledi rolled up his sleeves and saved a life. Then, from China with love, we wrap things up as we celebrate local talent, as singer Motswedi Modiba makes South Africans proud. On to our next green shoot and this one is quite something. Last week, Home Affairs Minister and qualified doctor Aaron Motswaledi saved a man's life while on a flight from East London to Joburg. The man, uh, according to reports, suffered a serious health emergency and thankfully Motswaledi, as well as another doctor was there to assist.
1: You know, we all want to see the human side of cabinet ministers and government officials, especially because they, you know, they they are often under fire and just so they're under fire and I think Aaron Motswaledi He has had his fair share of criticism as Home Affairs Minister, for good reason. But he also is a human being at heart. And I think that was what we, you know, those kind of stories always great and we don't hear them enough of the every day I reach out to help people I have heard from people who know Aaron maxoleetti that he is a kind considerate person he has a health background so he obviously looks at the oath that he must have taken as a doctor the fact that you know so many years later even though he hasn't practiced being a doctor he's been caught up in government and politics he actually went and helped a person on the flight apparently this um, passenger had a life-threatening medical complication midair and it uh, and lost consciousness after his blood sugar levels dropped to dangerously low levels. And lady, he, he and another doctor helped this life, you know, from this life-threatening situation. So it was a wonderfully uplifting thing, a small little moment of humanity and just must have been fantastic for the passengers on board. And
0: then finally we cannot end the show without mentioning South African singer Modswedi Modiba, aka Mo, who wowed Chinese audiences when she made her appearance on China's biggest singing competition, Sing China. I know Daily Maverick recently chatted to her. So this was a lovely
1: story. It's the first African and Black person to compete in China Biggest singing competition called Sing China, equivalent of The Voice, you know, it's it's a Chinese equivalent of that. Mm -hmm. And she sang on Friday, 11 August, and she just wowed the judges. Mm -hmm. They they couldn't see the faces of the competitors in the first round as they sing to earn a spot in one of the judges' teams. She spoke to Daily Mavericks, actually, with one of our young intern journalists, uh, Kuma Nonsele from CPUT. But uh, what I find interesting, she chatted through her publicist. So she's already a, a somebody she's out there. <laughs> you know, she was uh, she's very proud of what she'd done. She and also just how she learned Mandarin, you know. I mean, Mandarin yeah. is a hard language to learn. She actually went to a school in a Pretoria Chinese school um to learn Mandarin. Her parents felt it was important for her to learn Mandarin, she was raised in Chinese um and her home language is Setswana. And mm-hmm. I just thought that was just there's such a wonderful story of achieving something that is just so unusual really. It was just wonderful that she took up from an early age moved on and actually made, it, made something out of this language and is now apparently living in new york but he's got links with china she really wowed these
0: judges so we look forward to seeing more and hearing more of her absolutely and for those interested you can head on over to the daily maverick website to read that interview with mo it's it really makes for some fascinating reading janet thank you so much for joining us as always it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you thanks lizanne and listeners. awesome have a great week And that's a wrap. In case you missed any of our previous chats with Daily Maverick, you can find them all on Carte Blanche, the podcast, available on Spotify and all major podcasting platforms.